Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. I hope you're having a good morning, and uh, I'm excited to share with you today's message. I wanted to just share a couple things with you guys that uh, have just been on my heart strongly about this whole season that we're in. And as much as, and if, if there's anybody who's missing meeting on a Sunday, it's me. Because it, I love that time. I love hanging out with you guys. I love being around each other. But here's a few things that I want you to remember. Number one, the church is absolutely alive. The church is absolutely alive. We are a strong church. And I'm not just talking about Journey Church Ventura. I'm talking about the church as a whole. We are alive. And this has proven this has proven that God is alive in us and that we are a, a, a group of people. The church is made up of not a building, but a group of people who want to live out their faith, who want to live out their heart and their mind and their soul. A quarantine, if a quarantine slows the church, then we're not being the church. We're, we're being the, the church of, of uh, dependent upon this, this gathering moment, as valuable as it is. We can be the church and be it like we are right now. And I'm excited because I hear that from, from many of you, that you are digging deeper, that you are uh, sharing your faith with others, that these, this time is actually pushing us out of our box, and literally and, and figuratively pushing us out of our box and seeing God do some pretty amazing things. Um, people are giving generously, and that's powerful. That's powerful to know that God is doing some pretty amazing things just as uh, we are meeting in this format right now. It's not going to last forever. I get that. But we are uh, <clears throat> doing great. And then let me let me just share this one last thought. Let this time teach us. Let's not grow impatient with uh, this distancing time, with with this social distancing, with um, the, the, the not being able to meet together. Um, I've committed my heart as pastor to continually never forget that this moment is an opportunity for Jesus to take our lives and teach us in a very, very meaningful way. So let it teach you. Let it teach your heart. Let it expand into your family. Let it expand into your neighborhood and, and share uh, time with your neighborhood. I think there's some really, really powerful things that we just need to be patient with I realize it. We want to get together. We want to get back to work. All those things are important and valuable, and we're going to get there. But let's be patient and leverage the opportunity to see God do some pretty amazing things. I'm excited. I'm absolutely excited and thrilled about what God's doing. So hang in there. God's doing some pretty amazing things. And I just want to tell you, the church is alive and it's powerful and it's doing some pretty crazy things. Um, we've been in this series called Motivated by Love. Motivated by Love. It's been one of my favorite series that I've ever preached. And we've talked about these things, the following things. We've talked about he wept. He wept over Jerusalem because he loves Jerusalem so much. And he was so saddened in his heart that it caused Jesus himself to cry over the people who had rejected his message. He died. On Easter, or on, on a Good Friday, he died and gave his life so that you and I could have eternal life. He rose again, promising us eternal life. 
coming out of that grave and giving us hope and giving us life and telling us that he loves us so much that he's not going to stay in the grave. He's going to come back to life and raise from the dead. And then he showed up after he resurrected. He showed up for the next 40 days, hanging out with the disciples, hanging out with the apostles and giving them proofs, convincing proofs that he was alive and that he had come out of the grave. And then last week we talked about he powered up. He sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to become him to this world, to expand the message of, uh, of the gospel into the world. And today, I want to celebrate this, this reality. This, it's not just a theological thought. It's a truth that's going to happen, is that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Yeah, he left this planet. He sent his Holy Spirit to live in us. But there will be a day where he returns and he returns with power. He returns not like he came the first time in a humble setting, but he's going to come and, and be a, a powerful, powerful presence in, in, in his return. And so I want to talk about that just for a few minutes. He's coming back. Jesus is coming back. And if that doesn't get you up in your chair and get you excited and going, yes, 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 just like a touchdown that the Seahawks would make, I, I know that that might bother you. Okay. Have you ever anticipated something? Have you ever just like been so wanting something to happen that you say things like, I can't wait until, I can't wait until, I can't wait until we get back together. I can't wait until we see each other again. I can't wait. I, I, you, you feel that anticipation. I can't wait until this happens. But you know what the reality is? No matter how much we say we can't wait, we have to wait. You have to wait until it happens. We don't have any choice about the timing of it. What about I hope? I hope this happens soon. I hope this comes about. I hope this. You feel that little tension inside of you going, man, I can't wait till this happens. I hope this happens. What about I'm anxiously waiting? I'm anxiously waiting. Uh, it's a bridegroom and, and a bride thinking that they're going, I can't wait till we get married. I can't wait till we come together. All those kinds of things. What about I can't wait? Oh, I feel so bad for seniors right now that said long ago, I can't wait till I graduate from high school. And they're missing those graduation moments. I, I think it's amazing what parents are doing to help uh, their kids feel like this is a special year. And even though it's a weird year, uh, celebrating graduation, those are all things that we look forward to. Well, that's what the second coming, that's what the coming, the return of Christ should be for you and me. It should be a, an, an anxiously waiting. I can't wait until there's a moment where Jesus is coming back and we need to be excited about that. We need to have a, a thrill in our heart that Jesus is coming back and we have to be anxious about it. Now, here's the thing. There's something that's holding back. There's something that's holding back the return of Christ. We'll talk about it more in depth in just a few minutes. But here's the enemy, in my opinion, the enemy of Christ's return. The first one is fear. The first one is fear. It's not, it's not the fear of being left behind. It's the fear of being counted as a part of a radical faith movement that says, Jesus is my Lord. And it's, it's the fear of, of telling others about Jesus. It's the fear of, of being confronted uh, by people that don't agree with us. We can't have that fear. We have, we have to be confident that Jesus is real, that he is alive and that he has redeemed our hearts. And when we remove that fear and we go out and we share the love of Jesus with people, then Jesus, we can hasten, we can hurry the, the, the return of Christ. Another enemy of Christ's return is fake faith. 
fake faith, pretend, religious people that are, are just doing uh, religious things rather than having a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. That's a turnoff to people. And here's the truth about fake people. People will, will go one way or another. They'll turn into a chameleon because the, uh, the, uh, the pressure that they'll receive of, about what they represent. And so fake faith is another enemy. It, it hinders, it slows the, the, the salvation of people. And um, <clears throat> we'll find out in just a few moments that uh, fake faith is part of the end times. Complacency is another uh, part of an enemy that uh, is, is not allowing Christ to return soon. Because it, the Bible says in the days of Noah, here's complacency is this, is no faith and selfish living. In other words, we don't feel this need for Jesus. We don't feel this need to have a savior and we're comfortable with what we're living. The days of Noah that said that they were eating and drinking and, and, and uh, marrying each other, just living life normal, but not aware of their need to have a relationship with God. That's the setting that we're in. We're oblivious to the signs of the times. And lastly is ignorance. Ignorance. It's just simply not knowing that Jesus is the Savior, that Jesus is the one who came to give us life, who is the one who allows us to experience uh, forgiveness of our sins, the redemption of our hearts and our souls, the healing of our relationships, especially with him, and the hope of eternal life. Those are the enemies of Christ's return. And if we don't overcome them somehow, then we're going to be stuck in this, in this uh, um, uh, time frame where Jesus is waiting, waiting for his church to come alive, waiting for his church to be real, waiting for his church to be authentic about their faith rather than in fear or faking faith or being complacent or having ignorance. All of those things slow the coming of the Lord. And so how do we hurry it up? How do we get excited about the faith, the coming of the Lord? We live out our faith. We get excited about the reality that Jesus is who he says he is and that he has risen from the dead and that he is coming back. And because he is coming back, we can celebrate and talk about it and invite people to be a part of it. Well, motivated by love, Jesus is coming back for you and for me, his family, to live with him forever. That's what we have to have in our heads. As, as we think about the, the, the main thought of this message, understand this, motivated by love, Jesus is coming back for his family to live with him forever. So the big question is, how does that change our day? How does that change our perspective? How does that change the way we live? I believe it's simply by this, that by knowing he's coming back, we have a guarantee we have a guarantee that uh, we're going to spend eternity with Christ. We, uh, we, cannot, we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear this, this end of life experience that uh, so many people are afraid of. We need to have a sense of urgency. It should change our, our life to understand that people are dying today without knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's not good. There needs to be a sense of urgency, a sense of ownership that we have, that uh, we should say, we need to reach those that don't know Jesus. We need to reach those that uh, <clears throat> have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness, which is what we're all about here at Journey Church Ventura. 
So there's a great passage of scripture in 1 Thessalonians. It says this, and it's in the New Testament. It's a little bit towards the back. And uh, if you're new, just look it up on, on, your, on your phone app. Um, you can uh, find 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And this is a passage of scripture that I've used many times at uh, memorials, at funerals, um, when someone passes away. Um, this is a really powerful passage to remind us of the importance of what happens to uh, believers when they pass. And so in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, it says this, Brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. Sleep and death are kind of the same. It's almost an oxymoron or um, a redundancy that he says sleep and death. Sleep is death. So that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. So this is a really great passage to just start off with. Brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who, who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. I love this passage for several reasons. One, we're allowed to grieve as Christians. We're allowed to grieve and miss those that have gone on to be with the Lord. When my mom died, when my dad passed away, when my loved ones and friends have passed, I have this, this sense of grief, this loss, this, I, I miss them. I, I don't like that they've left the planet. I, I miss calling them. I miss talking to them. All those, for those reasons. But at the same time, knowing that they have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I don't grieve like people without hope. I grieve like I, I do have hope. I'm going to see them again. I'm going to hang out with them. I'm going to spend eternity with them. Look at the person next to you. You're a family member and say, you're stuck with me. I'm li you're living with me forever, forever. And uh, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's a, a, an amazing thing. So when we talk about uh, grieving, when we talk about uh, going through that grief experience, losing someone who knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, yeah, it's sad. It hurts. There's an emptiness that goes on there. But in reality, we are going to live with them for eternity. We get to see them again. I get to see my mom. I get to see my dad. I get to see my friend, Lori Marie. All these people that have gone on before me, I get to spend time with them again. I'm excited about that. And I grieve their loss, but I anticipate that reunion that's going to happen. We'll talk about that in just a minute. And so... A quick lesson in this whole uh, idea of, of death. I think it's important that we understand that when we die, when we die, the, the, the body is buried or cremated, um, however that happens, but the spirit goes to be with the Lord. Listen to this passage in James chapter 2. It says this, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So the body and the spirit, although they're one right now, body, mind, and soul is all right here. The spirit is, is, with, is, is with the body. When we die, the body goes in the grave. The body goes scattered across the sea, however it happens. And the spirit goes and spends time with Jesus. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.8. It says, we're confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we don't stop living when we die. The, the body goes in the grave. Yeah, this, this, this body, this shell, this piece of clay, if you will. 
But the Spirit lives on and goes to be with Jesus. The Spirit continues to exist. And um, this is just our living space. This is just what holds us here while we're here. And then we go and we hang out with the Lord. Listen to Philippians 1.20. says this, I eagerly expect and hope that I will no long, in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body. In other words, I, while I'm living, Christ will be exalted in my body, <clears throat> whether by life or by death. Paul was not afraid to die. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And that's a powerful statement. To live is Christ means that while I'm in this body, I'm going to live like Christ. I'm going to be Jesus to this world. And to <clears throat> die is gain. I'm going to go hang out with Jesus. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for, labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Paul is very clearly saying that the body, I would much rather be with Jesus and my spirit connected, spending time together, all those kinds of things. And, and yet he realizes that while I'm here, while I'm in the shell of a body, I have a purpose, I have a meaning, I have a value that I bring to this world. Very, very powerful. So when we die, our body, our, our spirit goes up and, and, and hangs out with Jesus and our body remains here on earth. It's just a clay shell. It's dirt and water. It's dirt and water. And yeah, that's oversimplifying what our body is, but that's what it is. It's dirt and water. Verse 4 of 1 Thessalonians 4 says this, For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus, those who have fallen asleep in him. Let's read that one more time because I'm going to make a big point. And I want you to look at the word with. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So people who have died, people who have gone on to be with the Lord and have faith in Jesus, they are going to go up with Jesus. But and this is what helps us understand what happens to us when we die. He, there's no way we can come back with him if we don't already go up with him. So those people who have passed away and have a belief and faith in Jesus have gone up and are with Jesus right now. And when he comes back, that amazing day when he comes back, we come with him if we've already passed away or those who have already passed away. My mom and dad are going to come back with Jesus when he returns. That's exciting. I don't know how that all looks. I don't know how that all works. I'm not here to answer all those questions. I'm not here to tell you when that's going to happen. I'm not here to tell you all, all the ins and outs of the second coming and the tribulation and the thousand year reign and the, 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 the battle of Armageddon, the final battle of the, of the planet, all these kinds of things. I'm not here to explain all that. I'm here to help us understand that there is a hope and that hope is that Jesus is returning. And the beauty of it is he's returning with all those that have passed ahead of us. And they're coming back with him. And that's a powerful truth in verse uh, in, in uh, First Thessalonians. And then it says again, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. So Basically, what, what Paul is saying in, in 1 Thessalonians is that those that have already passed are going to come back with Jesus. 
and then uh, there's going to be a, uh, a resurrection, a resurrection of sorts. And um, <clears throat> that's, that's all of us who are living. Let's say Jesus comes today, right now. Those who are still alive, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, Paul thought that he was going to live long enough to see the, set, the coming of the Lord. Because he's saying we who are still alive. And so he's, he, says, he says the crazy thing. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. So we are going to uh, be second to those going ahead. Now, here's, here's a crazy thought. The, the, the coming of the Lord is, is going to be quick. It's going to be fast. It's going to be, uh, the Bible calls it a twinkling of an eye or like a thief in the night. It's going to be a surprise. It's going to be quick. It's going to happen. And no one's going to be absolutely ready for it, except those who are living faithfully for the Lord. Now, let me tell you a story about the coming of the Lord. So according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. So we're ta there's, ta there's a resurrection or a taking away. And we'll talk more about that in just a minute. But there's this, this imminence that uh, theologians call the imminent coming of the Lord. The, 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 it, it could come any time. I got saved 40 years ago this year. I got No, uh, I'm sorry. 42 years ago this year. 42 years ago this year, I got saved. When I, when I accepted Christ, even before that, when I attended church, I heard these preachers always telling us, don't get caught in a movie theater. Don't get caught making a sin. Don't, don't, get, don't make, because Jesus is coming back tomorrow. He's coming back soon. He's coming back fast. He's coming back. And, and my whole life was lived in this fear, even though I didn't accept Christ until I was 18. Um, <clears throat> my whole life was full of this fear that at any moment Jesus was going to come back and I was going to be left behind. I was going to be left behind. I was going to uh, not have a right relationship with God. And I was going to be, be caught in a movie theater watching a movie, which was really conflicting when Billy Graham came out and had a movie in the theater. I didn't know what to do. There was movies like A Thief in the Night that, that showed people being uh, taken from the planet and planes crashing and all these things happening when the, when the rapture happens or the taking away of the saints. And there's all this stuff happening, which is pretty crazy. And I, 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 this fear gripped me that somehow I would be left behind. Although I didn't have a faith in Jesus at one point and then later on, even after I accepted Christ, I was afraid to make any mistakes and I was full of making mistakes and afraid that Jesus was going to leave me behind. But the reality is, if we have faith in Jesus, His grace is sufficient for us. We can walk in, in confidence that Jesus has saved us and that when He comes back, He's coming back for His kids. He's coming back for, for those that are faithfully serving him, those that are giving their lives to him and to his cause. 2 Peter 3, 8, 9. I, I, here it is. 42 years later, Jesus has not returned yet. 42 years later, since I accepted Christ, he has not returned yet. That doesn't mean he's not going to return. That just means we don't know when he's going to return. The people that were preaching back when I first became a Christian thought he was going to return any time. And here we are 42 years later, and he hasn't returned yet. 
So here's what I believe about this. Second Peter helps me understand this. Second Peter 3, 8 and 9 says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. In other words, time doesn't matter to God. Okay, this is a hyperbole statement. This is an exaggerative statement saying that, that God really looks at 24 hours like we do as a thousand years. That's, that's, that's significant. And then it says this in verse 9. It says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Remember earlier I said there was an enemy to the Lord's return? It was fear. It was um, complacency. It was... It, God's people having such a fear of being counted as a, as a follower of Jesus that we're not sharing our faith. There's all kinds of those things going on. Well, here's the reality. Jesus is not wanting anyone to perish. And so for that reason, I've lived 42 years of faith anticipating his coming. But at the same time realizing that it may be Another hundred years. It could be a thousand years. I, I, I'm not a predictor. I'm not trying to predict. But here's the reality. We need to understand that Jesus is coming back when he is satisfied that all people have had an opportunity to accept him as our Lord and Savior. He's being patient for you and for me and for those that have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness. He's being patient and we have to accept and, and embrace that. And if we want to hasten or hurry the Lord's coming, the best way to do that is to share our faith. The best way to do that is to share our faith and let people know that Jesus loves them and cares for them and has died on a cross and has rose again so that we could have eternal life with him. We need to be motivated by love to go out and share our faith and tell people about Jesus. Yeah, he's coming back and he's coming back uh, soon, hopefully. But we need to live as if he's coming back tomorrow, which means that today we have to be faithful and, and, and serve him. But we also have to anticipate that he could, he could wait. There's a lot of people on this planet that have yet to hear the gospel message of Jesus. And it's for that reason that you and I are alive today to be a part of his mission and to work in reaching people for Christ. Verse 16 of 1 Thessalonians 4 says this, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and, and the, with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. That means the bodies of those that have already passed on will be risen up, will be resurrected. I don't know how that's going to happen. My parents were cremated. I've put a whole lot of people in the ground in funerals and, and, and graveside services and their bodies are decaying and, and, and pulling apart and all those kinds of things. I won't be graphic, but the reality is people have gone on and there's, there's all kinds of things. The resurrected bodies, Jesus is a creator. He spoke the worlds into existence. He can speak these bodies back into reality. And he can bring it all back to life. But it says, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, who are, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That is going to be an amazing meeting. That is going to be an incredible moment. It's going to be an unbelievable time where we get to experience Jesus 
face to face and all of the people that have gone before us. And it's going to be an amazing experience. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. That is the most powerful expression that Paul leaves us with, is that we need to take this moment, this reality that Jesus is coming back. He's coming back down from heaven with a loud command. We don't know what that's going to sound like. It's going to be, hey, I'm here. It could be that. It could be all kinds of different things, but it's going to be pretty incredible. And then trumpet call of God, there's going to be this great trumpet sound. I don't know what that's going to be like. And the dead in Christ will rise first. So there'll be this moment where there might be an awareness that Jesus is here and he's coming back and all the dead in Christ will rise. The bodies of those that have already left will match up with their, their spirits and there will be this meeting in the air and then we will follow. If we are still alive, we will follow that and be with Jesus in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another. Therefore, encourage one another. I love this. I love this because the reality is Jesus is coming back. Motivated by love, he's not going to leave us in the shell of a body or in the ground to, to decay or scattered across the sea or wherever the cremated remains might be. He's going to bring us all back together and we're going to live forever, forever with him. And then later on, there's going to be this time where we get glorified bodies, glorified bodies. I'm anxious for that moment. More importantly, I'm anxious for the glorified food that we're going to get. The glorified Mexican food that will be part of heaven's, uh, <laughs> heaven's meals. But the power is, is simply in this. Is that knowing what's going to happen takes away the need to know when it will happen. Knowing that something's going to happen. Knowing that Jesus is coming back takes away the worry about when. You see, people get lost in the when and, and try and predict and, and all those kinds of things. By the way, if anybody's predicting when Jesus is coming back, they're heretics. Don't listen. They, they have no knowledge of when uh, Jesus is coming back. But knowing when it's going, that, that it's going to happen is, uh, relieves the idea of when it's going to happen. Let's not worry about that. If we want to hurry it up, the best way to hurry it up is to get the gospel message out to every human being on this planet. And when we do that, we are fulfilling the mission that God has set before us. And here's the beautiful thing. Last thought. Jesus is either coming with us or for us. If we die now, let's say I die today. My spirit's going to go up and hang out with Jesus. And then he, when he comes back, he's bringing me with him. So I'm either going to come with him or if I'm still alive, he's coming for me. And I'm going to go with him to meet him in the air and to live with him forever. And the Bible says in the very end of this passage, encourage one another. Encourage one another with these words. And I want to encourage you today. Jesus is coming back. Motivated by love, he is coming back to take his people home, to live with him forever. And that is exciting. He's coming back to redeem our hearts and to give us hope and to encourage our lives. And there, there's no way, no way that we should be discouraged, that we should be frustrated, that, uh, yeah, sometimes life gets troubling and, and challenging, but here's how we should live differently. We should live without fear, without the fear of death, and without the fear of what people could do to us for standing up and believing in Jesus Christ. There should be no death, no fear of death anymore. We, we know that we're gonna live forever because Jesus lives in us. And we should know simply 
that everyone is welcome and we should be the champions of reaching people for Christ and touching their lives and ministering to their hearts, letting people know that Jesus is coming back, that he died on a cross, that he rose again, and that we have the hope of eternal life. Here's the call. Here's, here's what Jesus wants from us today. It's because we know he's coming back, he wants us to follow him with all of our hearts, with all of our passions, with all of our commitments, with every ounce of our energy. We can hasten the coming of the Lord. We can hurry the coming of the Lord simply by saying, I'm gonna do everything I can to live for him and to walk with him and to talk with him and to do all that he has asked me to do to be a witness in our community. We can no longer have complacent lives. We can no longer not worry or care about those around us that don't know Jesus. It's our responsibility to reach out to those people. We need to be diligent about the Lord's work. And I wanna encourage you today, God is alive in the church. This, this virus, this lockdown isn't our hindrance. It's an opportunity to continue to move and continue to be the church to this world. Let's do that. Let's do everything we can to be what God wants us to be and anticipate the coming of the Lord. He's coming back. There's nothing better than that. And I want to be, encourage you, just like those words in Thessalonians said, encourage one another with these words. And those words are simply this. He's coming back for you and for me. Let's live with him. Let's live for him with all of our hearts and all of our minds. Maybe you're a guest today. Maybe you're somebody who's like going, wow, this is something I haven't heard before. Maybe you've realized that there's a hope that Jesus is alive and that he is going to come back for his people. And you want to be part of that. And you have yet to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want to invite you right now to say this prayer and to say, ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, which is what he died on the cross for and to give you the hope of eternal life, which is why he rose from the dead. And I know that life is going to mean everything to you from this point on. And there will be a day where he comes for you and for me, or we're gonna come with him to get everybody else. Pray this prayer if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today. Jesus, thank you so much for giving us life. And I, I right now confess that I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes that I need your forgiveness of. And I, I accept your forgiveness based on the work you did on the cross. I believe that you died for me. And I accept your forgiveness of my sins right now in Jesus' name. And I believe that you were raised from the dead. And I believe that, that you are coming back to take us home. And I accept the fact that I will live eternally with you. Thank you for saving me today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.